This is the Lover and the Fighter podcast with Josh Cohen and Dean Thomas. Indeed it is. The Lover and the Fighter podcast episode number eight. Just back from UFC 264. I would be the lover in the form of brother love, Josh Cohen. He would be the fighter in the form of the UFC pioneer, coach, broadcaster, king of all media. <laughs> We're just waiting on the book still for you to replace Howard Stern as the de facto well, you king know, of the, all the media. The book is coming out. What, what is the, the book on? On my life. On paper? My life story. It's on yeah. paper? It's on paper. Yeah. Uh, UFC 264. Yeah, there you go. UFC 264. You uh, shot special programming people will see on a series for Fight Pass. And then, of course, you were in-fight analyst, and we did the radio show while we were there. But um, that was a card that could have had enormous surprises and did have enormous expectations. And it really just ended with a disappointing thud in the form of a snapped leg by one Conor McGregor on Saturday night after round number one. Well, it's MMA. Like, in MMA, you can always expect the unexpected. So, like, whatever you think could happen yeah. never happens. It's always with, with like... Whatever you you never would think that Conor McGregor would slap snap his leg in half, and that's what happened. And that's what happened right there at the base. But leading up to that, the night I mean, it was an eventful week, obviously for you and I. I got dubbed a pink suit guy mm-hmm. because I asked a question of Conor. He didn't have an answer. He thought he was going to get me to shout me down. wasn't going to happen. So you know, we got kind of sidetracked onto that stuff leading in, which is fine. But the eye of the tiger um, for Conor McGregor certainly wasn't as legitimate as he pretended it was on Thursday. As at press conference, he was pretending to be more angry than he was. It was almost as if he's trying to work himself up. You know, he went nice guy in January, right, at Fight Island, and then he tried to go the other route. And you could tell that Conor was not the old confident Conor of the past. He is doubting himself. Of course he was. I mean, he said like, on Thursday or Friday at the way, and he said, this man is going to pay with his life. Yeah. And to me, like, that's what you say when you're just, like, trying to hype yourself up. Yeah. And you could tell he wasn't really 100% confident. He's trying to hype himself up. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it was indeed. But there were breakout stars of the week beyond Pink Suit Guy. How about your boy that uh, kept moving forward on uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley? Chris Moutinho. Chris Moutinho, who joined you earlier this week on your XM serious satellite radio show with the MMA Fight Nation there. Yes, and he what an interesting character, a total fighter in himself. You know, and biggest star of the that, week. Biggest, biggest star, star of the week. week. And yep. through all that, you know what his issue was? What's that? That he still lost a fight. Well, that's know, yeah. wow. And he he wasn't like, yeah, like some people would be proud of themselves. I can't believe I did this on my first fight. I got the bonus. He was like, man, I still lost a fight, and that's what matters to me. And that's what matters most. Yep. Uh, he was impressive as a, as a late fill-in. He, yeah. was, he was impressive. Um, what did you see in him that you realized this wasn't a fluke, one-off, short notice, in which he uh, matched up well? Just his him. heart. Like, his heart throughout the entire fight and his demeanor throughout the entire week. Like, he never looked intimidated. And sometimes guys get a little, you know, bright-eyed, sure. big-eyed, and, but he never looked intimidated. His demeanor... Show that he that he really wanted, not only wanted, but deserved to be there. So, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. I saw him three times during fight week. I saw him Wednesday afternoon at, at hotel, and then I saw him Friday evening at hotel, and then I saw him Saturday on his way into the cage and in the cage, and I told you, Dean Thomas, his facial expression was exactly the same. His focus was exactly the same. I read nonverbals, and I read, you know, micro-expression and facial expression. He was the same dude Wednesday in the hotel lobby as he was Friday night before, as he was Saturday on his way, and then inside the cage. Um, he may not be all there. This He may be a killer, this kid. Yeah, that, those are the type of fighters that you like. As a coach, those are the type of guys that you like because there's not a lot, of, psycholo- yeah, there's not a lot of psychological work that you have to do, and you know that they're going to compete 
yeah. their highest level of intelligence. So yeah. that's what you always want because they're not going to get flustered by distraction. Fair enough. Let's move on. Uh, let's call it the UFG from the UFC. The G stands for gruesome because since April, we've had gruesome injury after gruesome injury after gruesome. It, I think it started with Jimmy Crude's dead foot. Yeah. And then continued with Chris Weidman. And uh-huh. then we had arm snap. Arm and then snaps, we had compound Jamal fractures. Hill, Jacare Souza. We've, I mean, we've had unbelievable. Gru- so UFG yeah. for ultimate uh, fighting gruesomeness. Yeah. Um, and, and there was an injury on Saturday night that, you know, you were sitting cage side, so you saw it up close and personal. But uh, between Jennifer Maya and Jessica I, she, oh, yeah. <laughs> she had a, she had a, in the middle of her forehead. It was as if Jessica grew a third eye. Cyclops. It, it was literally. <laughs> it was almost like it looked like female reproductive parts on the middle of her forehead. <laughs> that cut was yeah. nasty. Yeah, it was like I, I mean, and it was a headbutt too. So like I mean, it sucks that it was a head, from a headbutt, but yes, that was absolutely nasty and so ironic. That Jessica I would have grown a third, a third eye, eye in the fight. Now, Cyclops means one eye. Yeah. So she has a third eye, but, yeah. Yeah, but that would be yeah, consistent thereof. Uh, Nico Price and Michelle Pereira, he's always entertaining. We were in Rochester, New York, I think when he made his UFC debut, May of 2019. Mm-hmm. And remember, he went into the cage and began weeping. And we thought, is this kid having a meltdown, some emotional meltdown? He was just so proud and excited that he was in the UFC cage. Before the, a lot of guys fight, uh, cry after the fight. Yeah. He was crying before the fight. Yeah, well, you could tell he's an emotional guy. Like sure Brazilians are emotional anyway. Of course. But he's definitely an emotional guy. Very talented fighter. Still <laughs> trying to figure himself out and learn some things about himself. But very talented and can go very far. Uh, you were impressed, obviously, with uh, Chris Mutano. Yeah, uh, I was very impressed with him. Uh, o- O'Malley on the other side. Uh, I mean, O'Malley was just as impressive. He was. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like, that's the amazing. Like both guys looked fantastic. All right, let's move on to your former fighter in the form of Greg Hardy, who had a chance to really kind of declare himself a viable, legitimate fighter in the UFC on Saturday night, and uh, he stung to Avasa. He caught him for a second, and then literally within five seconds, he got, as Smokey would say from Friday, he got knocked the bleep out. Yeah, well, you know, I think Greg's at a crossroads right now. He's, you know, he's got a lot of soul searching to do mm-hmm. as to what it, is, what it is that he wants out of his career. I think he got to the point where his career started moving faster than the progression of his skill. Because of his name, because of his background? Because of his name, because, because of his background. And plus, like, you know, his his... The team that he has behind him wanted to move him up as fast as they could. They thought that he's an NFL guy. He's going to be, Ready. you know, he could beat up everybody. It doesn't work that way. Mm, yeah. Um, in the post-fight press conference, Dana spoke to us. Someone in the media had asked about Greg Hardy. And, and Dana's nonverbals and his facial expression indicated that for Hardy, he may not be around much longer in the organization. Uh, and Dana spoke of like, yeah, it's tough because he had a chance tonight. Someone pointed out the fact that Greg Hardy has now uh, does not have a win over any active fighter on the UFC roster. I mean, that's probably the case. I yeah. mean, he hasn't. Well, maybe Cashin Jorgen de Castro, who is, is, is I think active. I don't, I don't know if he's that's, active. That's though. what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, it was someone who does their homework more than you and I yeah. combined. Yeah. who said he does no, no longer have a win against anyone on the active roster, and you hate to see that. You worked yeah. with him. You said he's a hardworking guy. He, was devo- he lived in the he lived in the dorm at yeah. American Top Team. Like, he was devoted to the craft. And, and he had some alley-oops, too. Like, the UFC gave him some alley-oops sure. in order to, to help him out. But, yeah. you know, again, just because you have that opportunity and just yeah. because you're a big-time football player doesn't mean you can fight. All right, so if uh, Chris was not the breakout star of the week, it certainly had to be the man who put Greg Hardy to sleep in the form of Tai Tuavasa, who is a heavyweight, who does not have the sculpted body. He does not have that action figure body. He doesn't look like, you know, 
Clubber Lang or Hector Lombard or Yoel Romero. He looks like the dude that lives across the street that's going to help you fix your car. Yeah. And he comes out to the Spice Girls uh-huh. if you want to be my lover, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't that the song he came that, out to? That's the song he comes out so, to. So he's a Spice Girl heavyweight putting dudes to sleep who then, when he wins, does the shoey where he chugs beer out of a sneaker. This kid is about to be the superstar of the division as far as likability and the true people's champion. No? Yeah, he's a true people's champion. I mean, he lists himself as a street fighter. That's mm-hmm. what he comes out to. I'm a street fighter. He's got a boxing background. He was a sparring partner for Mark Hunt for many, many years. I mean, he can fight. Like, he's a yeah. natural yeah. fighter. He likes to fight. And people can relate to him because he likes to fight and drink. So, like, that's the people's champ. He likes to fight and drink. He likes to drink and fight. Most of the people there in the crowd feel the exact same way. Exactly. And he did put Craig Hardy to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it took a couple. Broke orbital, I think. It took Hardy a few minutes to come back to us and shake off those cobwebs. And, you know, if you come out to the Spice Girls and you're a heavyweight that knock people out and then you drink beer out of a shoe... The people are going to love you. Yeah. And so he's on to something. To the co-main event of the evening, Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson. We expected this to go the distance. Some of us had Wonder Boy, though, to win a decision. It wasn't the case. It was unanimous in the form of Gilbert Burns. You talked in the last episode about controlling that distance, how each had their own agenda of what it was they wanted to do. There was no secrets. And Burns got to do what he wanted. And and Thompson, not so much as what he wanted to implement. Yeah, because Burns approached that fight the way I thought he should have been, like a wrestler, and he was looking for takedowns. So he was closing the distance with takedowns as opposed to strikes. And he was and he was able to get in on le- on the legs of Wonder Boy, get him to the ground, and that's how he won the fight. Do you think it's harder for Gilbert Burns? And I was the next question in post fight media, but then I didn't have a chance because they cut it off because they wanted to get Poirier on. You think it's harder for him to get his focus and motivation coming off a loss like he did where he wept inside the cage because he had a title shot, remember, against Kamaru Usman, right? Right. Um, do you think it's more difficult to focus and motivate yourself when you're fighting such a nice guy, a likable guy, as opposed to fighting a bad guy, the villain, someone who's saying things and doing things that maybe, for Gilbert Burns, is it harder to get the focus and motivation towards someone? like Because you you had to prepare Tyron Woodley twice to defend his title against Wonder Boy. And as far as motivation and focus is concerned, it's easy to lose it with Wonder Boy if you go based on the things that he says in social media. And well, that's I think I think that's one of Wonder Boy's like gifts as a fighter. He makes he makes you comfortable. Disarms. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He disarms you. But I I knew he wasn't going to be able to do that to Gilbert Burns because Gilbert Burns is a competitor and he's actually able to separate that. So he can still like you, but still want to compete against you. So. Yeah. Gilbert Burns is the be- one of the best competitors in the UFC. All right, let's move on then to what was the main event of the evening. The rubber match, the third installment, but probably not the final, at least inside of a cage anyway. Uh, Dustin Poirier, post-fight, said, Connor and I are going to fight again, whether it's on the sidewalk or inside the octagon. I don't care, but we're going to fight again somewhere because you don't tell people they're going to die. You don't wish that on anyone. So, yeah, we're going to get this settled. Um, this main event was Conor McGregor, which makes Vegas different, which changes the city, changes the landscape of combat sport. Conor brings a different electricity. He brings a different vibe. He brings people from all over the world. Obviously, the incident with me Thursday at the press conference, and we saw he was trying too hard to try and almost convince himself of something. Poirier stayed ready. It's easier to be ready when you stay ready, Mm -hmm. correct? Conor McGregor, early in this fight, had moments, but judges, prior to his leg snapping, Two of the three had this 10-8 in that first round. Do you agree with that scoring? I do kind of agree with that. I mean, Connor took a beating. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, Connor took a beating. And 
you know, anything he did in that fight was to survive or to make it look like he was still in the fight. Mm -hmm. He threw a couple of good punches, had a couple of good kicks, Mm -hmm. but he didn't do any real and have any real threatening damage. Like the chokes that he was going for, that, that was just fluff. So let me ask you about that, because when he went to try and submit Poirier and, you know, depending on your angle, you had a better angle than, than I did because I was above on the 200 level looking down from the Bud Light Club. Um, it looked as though, wait a second, there could be something here. No. It looked, then you're telling us there never there was, was. There was never, never was. There was never a threat. Do you think that his attempts to submit there were because he knew his leg was compromised? And so he's like, uh oh, I got to do something here because I can't get back up and try and do that. I think that. I think because, and there were moments where he would go back to it. He'd go back to it and then go to it on the other arm. And I was thinking, he's trying to get this fight over with. He, he just wants to get out of there. And there's Could rumors, it be because yeah, and I, mean, I think so? And did you notice rumors, in his movement that it was yeah. that, it, that before he stepped back and broke his own leg foot? Yeah, well, I I didn't know at the moment, but I knew at the moment that he was not comfortable being inside the octagon with Poirier because he kept going for that guillotine, and that's what guys do when they're uncomfortable; they keep going for the finish. Yeah, um, we can't see Connor again until January if he ever wants to. Um, certainly, the UFC would love to have him. ESPN, Walt Disney would love to have him, but uh, whether he decides or not. remains to be seen what we saw from conor mcgregor in round one was kind of a continuation of round two from january against Mm -hmm. dustin poirier it's like we picked up where we left off picked up where we and like and that was supposed to be conor's round like that's the round that everybody yeah gave him to win Mm -hmm. we expected him to win and two of the judges had him losing 10-8 which is surprising to me. I, I see it as 10-9, but you sat closer, you know better. If you got a 10-8, you agree with two of the three, then then I guess I'll agree with you. Yeah, I mean, he was taking a lot of punishing elbows that I thought could have put him out. Khabib says if they fought 100 times, Dustin wins 100. Do you agree with that? I don't agree with that. Yeah. But <laughs> it, well, you know what? Like, Connor's the type of guy, like, I think he's, he, that he's, if you beat him the first 20, he'll probably give you the next 80. Okay. Yeah, so that might be true. Let's move on real quick to UFC Fight Night this coming Saturday night. Um, th- there's a little pressure on this main event because Tiago Moises is, take- Moises is taking on a fighter that is being dubbed the next Khabib. That's a lot of pressure to be declared the next Khabib potentially, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, but this guy is really serious. I mean, he's really good. His only loss was like a flash knockout. She's 19-1. and 19-1. and yeah, Islam Makachev. is a lightweight. And... and Daniel Cormier is really, really, really high on this guy. Yeah. And you're really, really high on Daniel Cormier. Yeah, and I'm high on Daniel yeah. Cormier. And based on Connor's behavior on Thursday, he was just really, really high. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I think so, too. When he came on stage, I was like, he's on something. Yeah. He's a Co-main event of uh, this coming Saturday night, women's Bantamweight. We get to see Misha Tate return for the first time in a long time. Yeah, this is her Expe- first fight in like a couple years. In four or five. Yeah. Expectations. Yeah, there are expectations because... Um, Marion Renault, she's fighting Yeah, Marion Renault, but that's a good matchup for her because Marion Renault is a little bit older, Yeah, and but she's gritty, and, and we'll give her a fight. All right. For Dean Thomas, Josh Cohen saying, reminding you, subscribe wherever you get your free podcast. That way we're automatically delivered each week. And uh, rate and comment, I guess, right? Say nice things. Yeah, Hit five stars. Give us a shout out. Just lie, you know, like people do on their Amazon reviews. For Dean Thomas, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time for another edition of the Lover and the Fighter podcast.